Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. This is a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza here after West Virginia reaches bowl eligibility way sooner than people expected. Nine games in, six wins down, three games to go. Chris Anderson, the topic is not bowl eligibility. It is all the chips left on the table for the Mountaineers as predicted. With each passing win, with each passing week, expectations grow. So six wins, great. Cool. Get to eight, maybe nine. Um, obviously, next week will be a big challenge with Oklahoma. And Neil Brown acknowledged that. But he also acknowledged that they're talking about things that are bigger and grander than just all eligibility. Um, as first reported by you, they cannot be the last place team in the conference. I don't know if that means anything to them, but I think it's it's a significant thing. And to plant that flag, one, with a pretty emphatic win, with as stylistic as they can be on offense in a game like that, but also in the first game of November with three games left, it, that is a statement, though. I think they deserve they deserve that recognition. It's been pretty clear for a while they're not the worst team in the Big 12. But now that's official, so that's good. And then... Either the team they played tonight, maybe one of the two teams they played toward the end, maybe a team they just played. I don't know. That's in the running for the worst team in the conference, but they have certainly separated themselves with a certain class of offense. Uh, Chris, this is four games in a row now uh, against quality opponents. You know, not the best, but it's power five competition, 85 student athletes on scholarship, so on and so forth. And tonight's, I don't know, superlative, I guess. More field goals than they want, I'm sure, but still the most rushing yards since 2016, the most total yards since 2018 um, against the FBS. Uh, that is nothing to sneeze at. This is an offense that keeps getting better and better and doing things differently, whether it's better at something than they were before or doing something we have not seen before. They keep reaching into their bag and pulling out something that's shinier or newer, and teams are having a hard time stopping it. We made note. Uh, on the preview pod, and West Virginia was number twelve in the nation in scoring offense for the month of October, and no signs of uh, slowing down. Thirty-seven points tonight, and it, you know, like you said, it, the offense took a couple more tweaks in there. Um, Neil Brown said that they were going to avoid from putting, uh, you know, doing too much that they've already seen put on film, and um, I mean, to be honest. The way they were running the ball, they didn't have to get too crazy, too fancy, but that first drive was great. I think you put it in our VIP thread, just pulling out all the stops right there on the first drive to just make sure they got on the scoreboard early and and took control of that game. Yeah, here's a team that went almost a year, 11 games, without a first drive touchdown. They have them back-to-back weeks now. And, Chris, they won the toss and took the kick tonight. Um. That's a team that's confident, and this is a team that has lacked confidence in offense before. It hasn't been properly armed. It hasn't been properly calibrated, whatever. This year, not in the five years of Neil Brown, this year. But now it's like, hey, let's take the kickoff, and we're going to do some cool stuff. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And then bang, 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 they're down the field. They hit a fourth down. They go, I don't care. I'm going for it. And just every little thing they did, it was motion in. It was motion out. It was get Rodney Gallagher the first touch of the game. Why didn't like just everything? I mean, there's a different energy in that in that first drive, and it just seems like it's contagious. And I think they thought they could be very good on offense tonight. Why wait? And just all the stuff they did, the deep shots that forced pass interference. Okay. 
But like the deep shot, the ball's in the air, that's exciting. And maybe they don't stretch the field early in the season, but now they do. And they've been doing that for a couple of weeks. And you get different players involved and you're doing all sorts of action before the snap. You're you're gaining nine yards on first down and you're hurrying to the second down snap. It, it just seems like they everything they did had an intent to be aggressive and not have their foot in the gas pedal. And it really worked. 14 nothing, Chris, was their largest deficit, excuse me, their largest lead against a FBS opponent this year which in the ninth game of the year is kind of a weird thing to say, right? Especially for a team that has six wins. And they end up being up by 37 points here. They just got a good start and just kept going. And there are just a few things you can nitpick at, but they are those those nitpicks are buried by the abundance of, of positives tonight. Yeah, trying to do my stock up, stock down, and usually it's it's one of each, back and forth, back and forth. But this time it was kind of just stock up. Uh, stock up, stock up, stock steady, and and kind of keeping it going. And you alluded to the second drive when you said the nine yard gain, and then hurrying up and getting back up there. Mm-hmm. I mean that that to me was the drive and the set of plays that really like just set the tone and established that hey this this team is confident and they are going to blow this game out because. I know the drive chart says that it was a minute and 50 seconds. That was the fastest minute and 50 seconds of, I think I've seen because it, it felt a lot faster than that. They, they hit, they ran up, they hit, they ran up and they were just like, Hey, I'm going to, after that nine yard run from white green, just looked like it was like, Hey, I'm going to try to find a way to make sure Traylon Ray gets this touchdown. And they almost got it. If not for that very quick, forward progress whistle but i mean that that set of plays and just the tempo and the confidence they went with right there that was not something you've seen from west virginia you know just a few weeks ago and look what it does too byu is not a very good offensive team they're certainly playing left-handed tonight by the way it's not like that west virginia's blessed with a, a clear docket and doesn't have injuries and then problems of its own but it didn't matter um but byu has to play a certain way to win this game they get out. They have to go for it on fourth down. On their first drive, it doesn't work. They punt the second drive. They have to go for it again on their third drive because the avalanche is coming. And then they're out of luck. And then sooner or later, they're out of time, and it just doesn't work. Um, BYU's drives, Chris, lasted 147, 226, 314, 254, 107, 131, 155, 146, 425, 257. 425 is an eternity, right? West Virginia's first drive was 501. Uh, second one was 150, like you said. And then, you know, how long is a script? To start a game, Chris, what's the conventional number, the X number of plays on your script to start a game? What would you say, 10, 15? 15-ish is right, probably like the, the ceiling. First drive, 11. Second drive, they're still going fast. They're still in their bag. That was five plays. So there are two drives to start the game, probably all on their script. Maybe not in like sequential order, but I bet you the 16 plays were all on that script because they had they had the room. They had the luxury of being able to use it. Um, I just... I mean, apart from kicking field goals tonight, and then I even think that was smart because they weren't coming away empty-handed and they could feel pretty good coming back to the sideline with points and everything. Um, that that just felt like the right thing to do, especially in the first half. And then just small things, and you keep dropping you keep dropping stones in the bucket of water, and all of a sudden that level's going to rise, and they feel pretty good about the way they're going offensively right now. And three points is good. And when the defense is playing like it did tonight, maybe more indirectly when the BYU offense is out there, that's going to be enough when they're when they're going like that on offense. Yeah, good good calls on the on going for three. I think each of the first two 
the two in the first half, both of those pushed it from, you know, two scores to three and three scores to four. And if you're dominating like that, there's no reason to not try to kind of get over that that hump to make it even that much more difficult for the other team to try to come back. Um, can we talk defense? For a change, yeah, let's do it. Positively, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was outstanding. And, and it, part of what you just mentioned there, I agree 100% that basically this offense set up uh, – there was a guy, really, really smart author, good-looking author, wrote that a good offense makes a good defense, something like that, mm. some, some kind of title like that. You know, I I you read that. something about that this week. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this was. Like West Virginia's offense got out there, got them to lead, and then that kind of set – made BYU more one-dimensional than they already kind of were, and they just got to attacking. And, and really, a lot of confidence from Jordan Leslie in his secondary and some of his players putting them in one-on-one situations and just saying, you got to win them, and they did. Uh, Beanie Bishop, already leading the nation in pass breakups, had four more again tonight. <laughs> um, just kind of wild. And, and Anthony Wilson, you know, making some big plays. I wrote in my stock up. Uh, piece that like the instincts were there it felt like for for the secondary they they made reads and they made plays and went with it and good things happen yep um another number two that somebody mentioned in something they wrote this week uh 25 first downs neil brown is 14 and 4 now with 25 first downs in a game uh 26 24 25 and now 30 in the past four games it's that's the way they play um, and when, when they get that 25 first downs, you're looking at like 40 points a game. Uh, some of that is against FBS teams, but like that's only four, uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Four of them because they didn't get it against JMU the first game. So it's not like it's completely misleading there. It's a, it's a number for their offense and it works. It's just, it's just something that it means they're on the field. It means they're racking up plays. It means they had time of possession. It probably means they're running the ball and like their losses, their losses when they had 25 first downs, Chris, you sit on the Hail Mary this year. Last year against TC, which is a good game. Last year against Kansas, which is a good game. And then a game against Texas Tech in 2019. They lost the turnover battle 4-0 that game. So those are weird losses, and they still did a lot of good things on offense in those games. Um, and tonight, 31st down, just had the ball. Uh, 13 more plays, 35 minutes of possession. It's formulaic now. It's not guaranteed, but they are, they're in a groove right now. And I, I mean, I used to kind of joke, like, this is like the, the annoying driver that gets in the left lane and does 55 miles an hour. And they just drive you crazy. They're they're a little bit faster than that now. Like they're they they could pass you if you're not careful, and they can do some things because they have a lot of confidence and they're just blending in speed and and just everything. It was fast, which leads me to this, Chris. Was everybody right all along on this? Like, hey, get White in the game, incorporate Rodney Gallagher, throw the ball, let Garrett Green cook, right? I think the answer is yes, but like, was there something in the way? Was it gradual? I, I don't know. It just seems like that all the pieces were there and they finally come together. Did like, is it right to say what took so long or is it better to say finally, and then put the puzzle together and enjoy how it looks. You think there was a bit of finally letting loose and letting it happen. Uh, like you said, letting Garrett green cook kind of thing, but is it, it, it has he bought some goodwill here with a, you know, another, a, a blowout win that I'm, Buying what he was selling in post game, he, he being he being Neil Brown, with his comments about 
you know, he he was expecting this. He felt like this offense was coming around that, you know, Penn State was, you know, one of the best defenses in the country. And they had a couple drops and it, it kind of just didn't turn out well. And then, you know, bad things going against Duquesne, but kind of who cares this Duquesne. And then things were really ready to go with Pitt. He said he went into that game against Pitt thinking that was going to be the Garrett Green breakout game. And then he gets hurt a handful of plays in. And then they got to change the whole thing, tighten up, play it safe, put in Nico. And so when they came back out of the open week, it was kind of just delayed because of the injury it is more or less what it was. And I'm I'm buying it. And the reason I'm buying it is because, like you said, it's four weeks in a row now of, of good offense, explosive offense. I'm buying what Neil Brown was selling in the postgame today. I just think if the arc is such now, it's really hard to ignore. It's been efficient. It's been effective. You can't argue with points on the board. Um, they probably should have one more win than they have. I can't give them the Oklahoma State game. And I would note that one of their touchdowns kind of came late when Oklahoma State was kind of passive. But again, whatever. doesn't matter. That's that's in the past water of the bridge, so to speak. But it's still collectively pretty good. And it's not It's not like they're, they fit in like a – I mean, BYU might be the Kansas of old this year. I don't know. But they still have, still a team with five wins and some pretty good talent, I think. But there's not like a weakling in this. Like, it's 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 Big 12 opponents. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Granted, three of them are new to the conference. We kind of call them group of five teams. So, But, again, you you have to do that. And that's, that's where I want to get to here, Chris. Like, I've seen some of the pushback reporting about the offense. Like, all of a sudden, we're cheerleaders and homers. We're too enthusiastic about what they've done. Like, you can't argue with just the numbers. They're on the paper. They haven't done this under Brown that's something again you can plant a flag there too but like yeah BYU might stink and they might have problems um, but like West Virginia might have stunk not long ago and still has some problems and then handled it tonight and what we talked about in the preview was how is this not going to work out well for West Virginia turnovers was the one thing that we came up with if all of a sudden BYU was able to get the ball back as the turnovers on downs fumbles interceptions whatever if something weird happens like oh I don't know a kickoff return touchdown then yeah, that might bring this more toward the normal. This was not normal tonight. This is a team that said, okay, this team isn't good at this. We're good at this. This team isn't good at this. We're good at this. So at the end of the game, the stat sheet should look something like it did tonight. Like you aim for certain certain higher ground, I guess, against an opponent like that that has deficiencies like that, especially when it lines up where you are good, you are proficient. I don't think you can apologize for that. I think like they should feel pretty good that they beat a team like that and didn't make it dramatic. Like, a good team does that to a team that isn't good. And there have been times in the past where West Virginia and many other teams have screwed around and made it interesting or had to pay for their mistakes in a game like that when that didn't come into the picture at all tonight. You should mention, you know, accusations of us being cheerleaders and homers. Within about two-hour span last Thursday, I received one private message telling me that you and I were so negative about this team that they've never seen such coverage of any team by any outlet. And it was disgusting and we couldn't, it couldn't even be read anymore. Two hours oh, later. Man. Yeah, it was, wow. it was brutal. Two hours after that, because Thursday morning, I, I read that when I woke up on Thursday morning, that was sent Wednesday night, Thursday morning, we post the preview pod and I get a message from someone saying someone different, not the same guy saying that we have, bought into the Neil Brown juice because that was the most homerific and quick podcast 
they've ever heard us do. And what was wrong? No, I exactly. That was the thing. And I'm not going to lie. Like when we finished that podcast, I was like, are we dismissing this BYU team too much? Like, is this like, or is this just one of those things where it's so obvious and it's obvious for a reason? Um, And turns out that was the case. Kind of like the quarterback. They have a great night, but he's kind of fun. Like I think he's gonna he's better than Slovis has been lately for sure. And I wonder if they were just like not used to him at all. And then they're often like their receivers, I don't know how much you could tell on TV, but like their receivers didn't go deep. And that kid's got a big arm. And like a lot of their guys just gave up on routes and all of a sudden he's scrambling around looking for anything and he's still in sideways instead of vertically. And I don't know. I thought West Virginia's secondary was pretty good. Pass rush was fine. Defensive line like had its had its pet back and its step there. Just I mean, just a good night there, but not a whole lot of threats in the offense. And the fear for BYU, what Slovis without Slovis, is that they were a one-dimensional team because they don't run the ball very well. And if they were to fall behind against an offense that has been good and might get hot, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Guess what happens? It's fourteen nothing, seventeen nothing. You know, it goes on and on and on. And all of a sudden, you're like, you know, they're going to abandon the run and pass it. And it's a lot easier for a defense like West Virginia to be to be one-dimensional out there. It just seemed like it went well. Um, penalties tonight, Chris. These two teams were in the top 20 in penalties allowed, or excuse me, penalties committed. I think 17 and 19, maybe. Uh, West Virginia, BYU. Um, I cannot imagine there were many games this year with 20 penalties in the country. And these two teams didn't. I have no idea how that happened. And it was pretty weird at times. And a lot of them were were dumped. I think, was it like five or six false start penalties on WVU? There, I know it was at least four on the offensive line. And then there was the one on CJ Donaldson. So I guess it was five. But yeah, I, I and some crucial ones too, because not only did uh, BYU you know lose out on that kick return for a touchdown, but then West Virginia's the penalties on the offensive line, you know, is thirty five might you know moving them back thirty five yards, but then also negated like another thirty seven yards in gains, so. You know, if this game were any closer, these would have been some crucial penalties. It, it, you're right when you mentioned it at the very beginning of the podcast that this, there were some negatives and they're kind of just forgotten because everything else was so good. This was certainly the case. What do you make of the Rodney Gallagher influx in the offense? Uh, just trying to find some kind of spark, and I like it. You know, uh, more the more options you have, the better. And he's quick. He's squirmy. Um, he's athletic and he can make some plays. So the more guys that you can get on the field, I mean, we're, we're a few weeks removed from saying that the receiving core was so dreadful. They couldn't make any plays. And I think I had them dead last in the position group power rankings. So you know, <laughs> they're making plays now and they're trying different things. And I like it. What if his fate isn't to be like a 40, 40 guy, not like home runs and stolen bases, but could he get like 40 carries and 40 catches? Not this year, I don't think. I don't. I don't. He's got. Let's see. Uh, ten cat, ten carries, and so he's got thirteen carries and seven catches, five catches. Yeah, he's not going to get to forty forty this year, but like he's such a weapon, perhaps that they can move him around and, and like get him the ball, and he ends the year with probably more than forty catches. But if he gets like forty carries and forty catches plus, kind of an exciting piece of the offense there. And you can see they're blending him in. They're getting him stuff where he's good at. Now they figured out what he can do when he can't do. As evidence by. That really fluky sequence on the extremely delayed penalty on Wyatt Milan for being down the field and that just wonky review 
and they went back and they're in the exact same play because like that was cool. Let's do it again. And and it worked there too. Um Jaheim White, 16 carries, 146. CJ Donaldson, 14 carries, 102. They end up with 336 yards. Um, it's actually 337 because of a knee. No sacks, so the offensive line continues to play pretty well. Have we overlooked that, Chris? Because these rushing numbers are hard to ignore, and their pass protection has really gone under the radar. They get a lot of help from Garrett Green because he's fast and gets out of trouble, but they've also stood up and given him time to throw the ball deep. Didn't really happen tonight, but didn't have to. But um, left tackles missed the game. Left guards missed the game. Right tackles missed the game. The right guard has not been exemplary, but it's not terrible. And yet these numbers, again, are kind of hard to ignore. This offensive line doesn't maybe get the credit that these numbers indicate it would deserve, or has the opinion been just and that they could be better at times and it certainly could be a lot worse? I think they're playing somewhat better. I think today was probably their best uh, I've seen them perform. Um Probably because you know we talked about the C.J. Donaldson thing last game. It's like, hey, West Virginia ran really well, but it's like, hey, C.J. Donaldson got five yards after contact, so he was still getting contacted, you know, near the line of scrimmage before he was breaking free. And now, today, I, I don't know what the yards after contact numbers are going to be because there wasn't a whole lot of contact made. You know, we talked to, about during the three key matchups in our preview pod about. Hey, you know, BYU has a lot of missed tackles. Well, they didn't have a lot of opportunities to miss tackles because the holes that, that West Virginia's running backs were going through were were rather large. So I think the offensive line has improved um dramatically. I mean, they 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 were not good earlier. Like it's hard to say otherwise. And they are playing very well right now. I don't know, can't really put my finger on what has changed with what they're doing as far as the offensive line goes, because a lot of the same guys, you know, injuries are tweaking things a little bit, but uh, C.J. Donaldson runs in a straight line. Jaheim White gets to the edge, and everything else goes from there. Funny how that works. Keep it simple. It's, it's a two-man game now, too. You got Justin Johnson in, and I think they got one look at that, and we're like, no thanks, and just kind of stuck with their two guys. No Jalen Anderson again. Um strange so i mean they, they've kind of figured it out less is more it's not a four-man thing it's not even a three-man thing right now their third man is probably rodney gallagher uh maybe they combine green and gallagher into one but like those two get seven carries um and that's about normal here too uh, we can wrap up here i just, just want to get into the passing game a little bit uh green's 12 of 24 for 205 yards but uh, he he's probably going to float around that we said it before he's going to be like in that 55 60 percent He's going to average like 15 yards of completion when he's good, and he's going to miss some throws, and, and he did all that tonight. Didn't have to run it a whole lot. No need. He was fine. Um, sooner or later, someone's going to figure out that this team can run the ball and just sell out of stopping, and it may be Oklahoma next week. In fact, I think Green's probably going to have a really good game if they're going to beat Oklahoma, but they're going to need more out of their receivers too, it just seems like. I mean, Cole Taylor, six targets today, one catch. It's a 43-yard touchdown, which I could write a whole lot about. Um, there, there are times where you know, he was open and green missed him. Um, just easy stuff there layups, I guess, too. Could have gotten a little bit more creative on some stuff. Um, the, the touchdown to Preston Fox, he had a wide open trail and ran left on the left side. Could have made a really easy play there. Still got to touchdowns. So don't get me wrong. That's, that's, that's a good play, but Devin Carter had some, some moments tonight where you just go, huh, but still three catches, 56 yards, including a big play at the end of the first half. You mentioned Ray. Um, gets going Horton's a little bit more, but nothing 
Nothing so dynamic that's going to lift up Green and make him a more efficient, more effective player. Everything's improving on the offense, and and the splashiness of the passing game is in there. But it's just kind of the as as far as the pedal can go down for the passing game. Or could this clean up, and could it be an eighteen for twenty four instead of twelve for twenty four? Could one of these players become a go to guy? You know, they get seven or eight catches instead of everybody getting three, 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 two, one, one. How does this work in the future, or is this what it is? I think this is what it is now. We talk about trends. We talk about the offensive scoring, and it's going on a few weeks now. You know, this is this is most of the season. Like, you know, 12 to 24, 50, 50%, I believe, coming into the game, Green was completing about 52% of his passes. So this is not that far off of what he's been doing of late. So I think this is the norm. I think it's going to be the norm moving forward. Um, it's going to be kind of hard to shift gears on that. Um, and it, it's some of it's, you know, finding that touch. He has a really hard time finding touch with some of these short passes, some of these tosses out to the flat, to the running backs, to the tight end. I mentioned the throw to Cole Taylor that was like second and two, and he was wide open and just sailed him. There were at least two, maybe three passes to his running backs where, I mean, they get <laughs> – they get the running back. Uh, I think one of them was Donaldson, and one of them was White. Or a couple times Donaldson, one White, one Johnson, uh, like three feet away, and throwing it a hundred miles an hour at him. Like you got to be able to find a touch on that to to make it work with the running backs because they those were big plays that were left on the field. It's just kind of wild to say when you're scoring, you know, thirty seven points and resting most of the second half. But I also wonder that you, you that's a great point about that touchdown throw. Uh, into the back of the end zone, and you said Traylon Ray was wide open on the left. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that they see when they're watching film, and how much of that he is is he seeing um, as they're reviewing it? Because you know, you're not seeing it on TV. It's you have to be catching it live when you're watching it there in the press box. So I wonder how often he's maybe making the wrong decision, like on who to throw to, just like that touchdown. Like that was the wrong decision because Traylon Ray was wide open. Ended up being a touchdown, so okay. But how many times is he missing a pass or an it's falling incomplete because he's throwing to a guy who's covered when there's somebody wide open? Yeah. And that just, ball gets just thinking out loud. That ball squirts up into the air and it gets picked off or knocked out of bounds, whatever. Then you're probably having a, a conversation about it. But I think you still have a conversation about like just hey, check it down to Ray. He's wide open. He, I'm not sure he walks into the end zone. I think I might have said that before. There's a guy who was kind of scouting him, but he was on. Like the goal line, and Ray should be able to make a lot of that distance up and do something good with it. But again, touchdown, so living the charmed life right now, that's fine. Um, I guess we can talk about this, Chris. Three games to go, one game out of first place. Um, a major, major opportunity next week if they beat Oklahoma. Um, then you're looking at a team that's really got a chance to win eight regular season games and to finish the Big 12 season at um, seven and two, which I guess is a strange thing, right? Um, would that be right? Seven and two. That would be correct. I can't even believe the words out of my mouth sometimes here. Um, but listen, that's on the table right now. It absolutely is. Like, I got it's not a one game season. I have no idea what Baylor's going to have left in the tank or who's going to be coaching Baylor at that point. We'll see. Probably going to be Dave Aranda, but still, uh, Cincinnati, probably the best of the defenses left. I think maybe we'll see. Oklahoma might have something to say about that. My point being, they they're, they're like pushing that boulder up the hill for so many games or so many seasons now. And they're right there to break through and get Oklahoma again back to back years, but to win this one on the road. And dare I say, Chris, this is the best shape they've been in to play Oklahoma since Brown has been here. I don't even think that's a contest. Um, 
there's a lot on the line Saturday for for a game that's still not that deep in the regular season because that is a game that they can leapfrog some people if they win. In the game set just announced moments ago. It's a night game, 7 p.m. Fox. So be it's a prime time team. Yeah, man. Notice this uh like seven to eight games, eight or nine games, whatever however many games they played so far, everything but one. I think they had a three thirty and a noon, right? Yeah. So pretty good. Oh yeah, there was a three thirty. Yeah. But this is real now. I mean, this is this is what happens. The more you win, obviously, the later in the season, especially this comes in. But like, it's not so it's not wild to say that. I mean, it may be an elimination game in the Big 12, too. If you think about it, one of those teams is going to go in and and come out with two losses. One's going to go in and come out with three losses. And it's going to be really hard to get back into the championship game. Finishing with three losses, in fact, probably not going to happen. So it's it's a big game um, and they're in good shape here, too. But come a long way from, you know, just three weeks ago being like, hey, guys in the hot seat again. And here they are saying that, you know, this is a hot team. And the guy who's off the hot seat has pulled a lot of the triggers that he had to pull on offense to make this work. Um, I guess that's why you play the games, huh? I guess so. Anything else here? Would you like to send a card to Chase Roberts? Um, Don't get me started on that again. Okay. Again, I don't know if you got to see it there because, again, I'm watching – from afar and they showed it on replay and the guy tried to get up and fell twice because he was so concussed and BYU's training staff was like you know what I think it's a good idea to put him back out there when we're down four scores let's do it not not merely concussed but so concussed <laughs> it's unbelievable that was concerning to be doing that that was concerning I was surprised he had a helmet um anywhere near him and that never mind he got back in the game but that'll be it all right, that'll uh, we'll tap out here. Coming up on the site, typical Sunday for us. Three things I think. Three things I know. Plays that change the game. Power rankings, which ought to look really interesting tomorrow. You got a sneak peek for us? Texas one uh, and a jumble for two. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do at two right now. But yeah, Texas one, and then oh, I don't know. Oklahoma State moving up again. It's crazy. Your boy Mike Gundy. Emotional game right there. And then, I mean, you're playing Oklahoma with that hangover, too. They could be ticked off or they could be deflated. Um, yep. We'll see. But they got the Texas game. So if they went over and two in the rivalries this year, that'd be a tough year for for um, for Oklahoma. But nothing to worry about. We'll break down the Sooners in detail, starting before you know it then, in a basketball game on Monday. So a lot of plates spinning at once and uh, one team surprising and one team maybe beginning to uh, spring some prizes of its own. We'll see sometime soon here. Until then, I'm Mike Cassazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.